You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about feeling accomplished as either a counselor or a supervisor. This week, we read When You Are Finally Good Enough, published in Psychology Today 2022. And Heather, the article was really a lot about feeling accomplished and having a sense of happiness. Right. So the first point was there are no amount of achievements that bring real happiness. Right. I think you can be happy and feel accomplished in the moment of something, right? Mm -hmm. You have a good session. You feel really good for for telling your next Uh session. (laughs) Well, I think even that's hard to measure. Right. What is the measurement of happiness? You just felt like, oh. Yeah. So have you had supervisees or yourself maybe that you were looking for, okay, when I get here or once I've done this, then I'll have reached it. I'll yeah. be there. I think all of those things. I think I personally have been through it. My supervisees go through it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, it's based on what they think is the happiness, right? Like what, what does that mean? Okay. So happiness means what you, you did it and you get your hurrah. And then what, what's yeah. the, what's the next? I, it makes me think when I was in school, out of my, I was in a pretty small program. I think there were 10 to 12 people in my cohort in my master's program. That sounds like more like a right. doctorate cohort, but we were a little group. And I think I was either one or one of two who wasn't talking about private practice. Ah, they all, okay. from the day one, Beginning. were talking about they wanted to be in private practice. And this is probably an out of date statistic, but I think at one point, one in nine private practice, you know, new new private Mm -hmm. practice, one in nine succeeded. Oh, wow. So that made like eight uh, potentially would not. Yeah. Weren't successful after some amount Mm -hmm. of time. Um, So that's almost like my little cohort. Right. If there were nine of us, one person was going to end up in private practice. I also think that's not just related to, I mean, I don't know. I think that reflects people's level of accomplishment or happiness within private practice. Right. Right. They weren't succeeding. They didn't like it. Something. Right. Something didn't click. Something they were, mm-hmm. whatever their happiness quotient was, whether it was income yeah. or success with client, that wasn't happening. Right. So that's an achievement that all of those people perceived was going to be their answer to happiness. And it wasn't right. probably. I had a client that I was working with that really wanted to get to a point. Well, he was going through a getting a law degree. And one, once he got that law degree, he thought that was going to be yeah. happiness. Yeah. And while it's an accomplishment, all of a sudden the true facts kind of came into view that like, well, now you have to sit for the bar and now you have to get a job there's and now you have to do more. And there's just layering on the layers. And I mean, it's a when you're just focused kind of in the shorthand of what that happiness is like, yeah, you did it. You don't have to go to class anymore, <laughs> but right. you still have all these other things that yeah. have to be accomplished. I think that's similar to counselors. I think um, when I've worked with students, either as a supervisor or maybe teaching a didactic class, the idea that, oh, you know, it's all going to be better when I get my degree or when I finish school. And 
Like get my hours. I'm juggling or I'm debating with myself when I'm teaching practicum or internship students Mm -hmm. that are still working on towards their degree. If I tell them the thing that you're doing now is the work of a counselor. So you're already doing it. If you're (laughs) telling yourself, oh, if I can just get through this, well, what you get through, you, you're going to get through it and get to the other side. And then there's going to be more of the same thing to do. Right. Right. I've had a supervisee before tell me that they were just miserable in the middle of the day. With uh-huh. it. And it was like, oh, no, what's going on? Well, I have these three clients and they just were harder. Yeah. Took more time. Clients and, and they were stacked back to back. So, of course, we talked about different ideas about that. But I realized then she was me- measuring her success by these clients. Like and how well they were doing, right? What like kind how, of progress, right? And I was like, okay, but I mean, it brought up lots of conversations, but a lot of it based on like achieve, like was she going to be happy if all of them weren't in the same time frame? Was she going to be happy if they all quit? I mean, like, right. was that gonna? What was yeah. gonna happen? Yeah. So well, and certainly, I mean, depending on the population you work with, I think it might be more obvious to you, but you're not going to fix or cure, right? people. Right. I mean, at at first I was going to say everyone, but in reality, are we fixing people or curing them? Not really. Right. They're doing it. Mm -hmm. We're we're helping along the way. What about when you're supervising someone after they're out of school and they're getting really close to completing all of their uh, Mm -hmm. hours, direct hours and supervision hours? Do you think that they have that, that idea that, oh, as soon as I'm done with this, then I'll be happy? I think so. Yeah. I think they think the next step is I'm a real counselor and that makes me happy Mm -hmm. because I work so hard to get here. They've been a real counselor the whole time. (laughs) Well, I I actually think that when I hear that, it's a little bit hard for me to listen to. I have to put that aside. Right. That they're saying what they don't want is counting hours. Right. (laughs) Coming to meet with me. Right. That's sad. That's kind of, that part's a little bit of a bummer. And that they envision They'll have some kind of accolade or more respect or something as a, yeah. as, as a counselor. And for some, most importantly, they'll make more money. Oh, yeah. And they think that's going to fix it. Right. And I think that brings about some change, but I don't really think that that no. brings about happiness. No. But yeah, when, when people say that, I have to put aside, they're not saying they don't want to hang out with me. Right. <laughs> they're just saying they don't have to do this. It's one right. thing off their schedule. Right. So, Heather, the, the next point in our article is, is there or there is no formula for happiness? Right. Do you think there's a formula? I don't think so, because I think happiness is one of those quotients that's always changing, right? What makes you happy today may not be the same thing that makes you happy in a month. Right. It makes me think, I don't, this is very, very dated now, I'm sure. The idea that, you know, you have a house and a, oh, yeah. and 2.5 kids 2.5 and, and a dog right. and you know something about a car in the garage mm-hmm. i don't know some you know right. but those are things that aren't attainable for some people mm-hmm. like how many people are going to own their own home right not everybody in this ge- in the generation right. that's finishing school right now will own their own home and even wants to right it's di- it's a different right i mean same thing with kids that, right. or the dog and the cat and right. the whatever. Right. The, um, what would you add to that? Not just the house and the 2.5 kids and the dog. And, but what about vacation? Right. Or like the level of it, like the level of status or income that you're uh-huh. living at. Right. I mean, all those things go into effect. Mm-hmm. So all those things are kind of status symbols, yeah. even the house and the. And if you're making that your happiness, you're quickly going to. Well, yeah, sure. What if you get there? I think that. Yeah, I that like, is the point. <laughs> I feel like that happens with. 
my supervisees are talking about when they accomplish their hours or get their degree and then they realize, ugh. Now what? Nope, this wasn't it. Right. I thought this was going to really drastically change Mm -hmm. my lifestyle or how I saw the world or maybe it doesn't. Right. Was there ever a point where you thought there was a formula to happiness? Maybe you were younger and you thought. Oh, yeah. I think I've done that plenty of times in life. But specifically regarding counseling, when I finally was transitioning to private practice, private practice is something I wanted the whole time I was in school. I was one of those. (laughs) And then me and some colleagues opened a private practice. And it was, um, I was a little bit in a brain fog. I had just had our third kid. So I was a little sleep deprived. So mm-hmm. a lot of this story might be a little sleep deprived memory, <laughs> but it was a lot of hard work and it was a lot more behind the scenes of stuff I wasn't used to. And then it was like, great, we launched this private practice and I still want to be home. Like I wasn't ready to dive in and put forth the time it took to build a practice at this point. I was like, that's nice, guys. I'll be here and I'll pay my part of the rent. But like, I don't refer anybody to me because I still want to be home for a couple more months. Like yeah. it was a very much like, wah, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And it was. It just was a different way of that didn't necessarily right. just launching the private practice didn't make me. So right off the bat, it didn't feel bright and shiny. And, right. And, you know, like, this is it. Right. It, you didn't get that feel, at least right when away. you thought you would. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've talked before about getting the dream job and feeling like, no, well, that wasn't it. Right. Darn it. I thought that was going to be it. <laughs> like maybe even feeling like it was anticlimactic. Do you feel like that was oh, yeah. true about yeah, the practice? Absolutely. Yes. Like, <gasps> we did it. I don't care right now. Right. And oh, well, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. I think lots of people feel that way. Right. I, I'm trying to think if there were other ways where you think, I feel like the parents that I talk to, if I have a kid client and I'm talking to their parents, I feel like I know I end up talking to parents that feel that way, that yeah. they think, Okay, once we get to school age, mm-hmm. it's going to be easy. Wow, that's going to be so, yeah. Or once we get to whatever the, the milestone is, that right. they think, then, man, this is going to be good. Right. This is going to, and maybe I'm not saying that it isn't good, but it's not what they imagine. Right. It's just another milestone and it just brings different things that you have to be watching for. I mean, just. Yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The coaching conversation. 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. What do you, can you think, maybe it's like, oh, how great is it going to be where we don't drag the stroller along with Oh, yeah. And then you're like, I mean, it is nice. Well, but we're still uh, dragging the kid behind it. We took a trip to Disney World when our youngest was four and a half. Uh-huh. And he was quite an active kid that never liked to really ride in a stroller anyway. So I thought we were going to be fine. Mm-hmm. My husband got a great workout during that vacation. Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and a four-year-old is, right. not, is not light. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things where you think that you know what's coming. You think you're like, oh yes, we passed that, and yeah. then you're like, oh maybe we didn't. Maybe we right. want to go back a little bit. Maybe like potty training. Yeah, you think we did it, and then you're like, Ugh. We yeah. still need the the spare change of yes. clothes. And you still have to go. I mean, we had one child in particular, and I will not tell you which one because <laughs> I'll protect their privacy here. But 
potty training was really fun and exciting. And then every time we went someplace, there was a question of, is there a potty here? And like, can we go see it? Like, it was fascination. Like, yeah. can we go? Can we go? Fun. <laughs> it's fun, except when you want to go to dinner or you want to just go yeah, be like, somewhere. You're like, oh, no, this isn't a good potty. We don't go to this potty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the last point in our article, happiness is about your priorities. Right. So there's not a list of achievements. There's not like a medal or some kind of ribbon that you're going to get and that you're going to have achieved happiness. Right. And there's not necessarily a formula, like a certain combination of things right. or a certain lifestyle or certain that yeah. is that then going to mean that you're mm-hmm. happy. But happiness is focusing things on your priorities. Right. How does that reflect on being a supervisor, your supervisees and clients. I mean, one example I use, and I use it with my supervisees intentionally to get them to understand, especially the ones going to private practice, it can be what you want it to be, mm-hmm. right? If you want to be full and you want to work eight to five every day, you can. You'll have to do certain steps to get there. But in my case, my priorities was being available for my kiddos. And so I've made my private practice work around their schedule. And it changes every season, right? Someone plays a different sport or needs a different ride on a different day. And I love that flexibility. So for me, that brings me joy that I can do my job and I'm a better mom because I'm able to do my job. Uh-huh. But that may not work for the fresh supervisee that isn't married and doesn't have kids. They want to get in and get all their stuff done. Then get, yeah. that's the priority at the time. They want to get their practice built. Well, then that has to be your focus and that will bring you happiness because you'll go, I built this practice. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of specific supervisees or clients, but maybe an example could be finding your niche, right? I don't know. Do you, I mean, you have done different types of counseling and worked mm-hmm. in different settings. If you were still in those settings, but it afforded you the flexibility to be at practices and right. things like that, would you enjoy it as much? Probably not. I think there is something to being your own, mm-hmm. like not having to, for me. I mean, it may not be that for someone else. But. Well, I mean, like you've worked at, you've done grief. Mm-hmm. You've done, worked at, I can't think of how to describe it right now. Well, I've done you, day treatment. Day treatment. Right. Even before that, working with families with really right. little kids. Right. If you could do that now in this setting and be your own boss, would you enjoy it? Or ha- Yeah, I think there's some element to it. I think for me, grief is taxing. So I still see clients in grief, but not. I wouldn't want to do it as all of my clients. Uh-huh. But I really, truly love working with families and like uh-huh. families of littles or families that have special needs. So that probably could be my niche per uh-huh. se. Uh-huh. I mean, I like also having my own practice and my own schedule. So, And so I think all of those things add to finding happiness. Like if you were doing all grief and you could still be in practice that you're saying, no, that wouldn't be the same. It would be as enjoyable. Right. Yeah. I think for some people that's harder to let go of. What if in your mind you thought, no, this is the type of counselor I was going to be. Right. And you can't let go of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In working with eating disorders, I think I'm the opposite of that, that I didn't come into it thinking I was going to do that. But along the way, a lot of the people who have worked for me started their entire process of becoming a counselor for the purpose of, I want to work with people with eating disorders. Right. It's a different mindset. Right. And then got into somewhere into the middle of that process and went, oh, I can't do this and take care of myself. Right. Oh, this This does not make me happy. Right. And then to have to change that and consider, okay, well, I am a counselor, but the specific population or this specific setting doesn't work for me. Right. I I mean, that could be really 
challenging to then re reimagine yourself doing something slightly different or even maybe to you drastically different. Right. I think that's important too. And I think if I look at like different like agency work, I think it's very, I think it makes you a very well-rounded counselor to mm-hmm. work in an agency. Like mm-hmm. I, I almost think it should be required as part of their hours. Like you have yeah. to do agency work. Yeah. But I think if you're in an agency where something changes, say your favorite supervisor or your favorite boss like leaves or retires or something, and then you get someone else in that you don't care for as much, like that alone could change yeah. your happiness level, yeah. just who you work with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even like that's just, that feels like a smaller adjustment, right. but you're in your zone, you're totally happy, you have this lifestyle you love, you work right. with the kinds of clients you love, and along comes somebody who wants to, who's man, who su- manages you, right. and their priority is, I don't know, like really high are really positive scores on the Beck depression right. inventory right. or something. something. Right. I don't know, just some other detail. Right. And you think, that's not what this is about. Right. That's not me. I don't yeah. want this. Then all of a sudden you shift because of something else that happened around mm-hmm. you. It's not really your doing. It's just something else that happened mm-hmm. in your environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then if it's possible to find yourself in a place where you're not able to prioritize mm-hmm. the things that you value, how do you change that? Or how do you recognize those priorities? Well, I think sometimes people don't know, right? Like, right. especially my, especially my supervisees, sometimes they just don't know. Sure. Until too late. I want, not too late, but until down the road, they were like, oh, wait, I can do that? Until a different option uh-huh. is presented. Well, like you in private practice, you said you started out wanting to do that, but it sounds to me like it really hit home after the third kid. <laughs> right. You're like, and maybe even not just that, right. but now that they're all in practice, mm-hmm. they're all doing things, right. they're like, this yes. is the reason. Right. This right. is where it fits mm-hmm. for me. That so. At what point did you realize? Oh, this is the sweet spot, or this yeah. is how I honestly think. And I think even when my youngest was still in preschool, I didn't know. I think it took mm-hmm. for him to get into like kindergarten age, where literally five days a week from a certain time that he was in in a place, and I went, oh. Like I could think about me. I had literally just do some of the things I wanted to do for my practice. Like it had been up and going for five years, literally since he was born. But it took until he was five for me to go, oh, this is all the things I've been waiting for. Like, oh, I can actually, I don't just have to take the CE that's offered in the free time I have while he's at preschool. I could just be like, oh, actually anything Monday through Friday. And it was just easy. It's almost, I described that period in my life, in my marriage in my parenting and in my counseling as like all of a sudden I had a breath of fresh air. Uh, but it's because I finally, it sounds horrible, but like got what I thought I got opening the practice. But like uh-huh. my practice was there. I had good income coming in as far as clients. I had good like uh-huh. flow. What you said makes me think or or want to set, add to the conversation. Not all private practices are the same. Right. They're all different. Right. So, I mean, when I first started out in private practice, I was absolutely a thousand percent on my own. I wasn't sharing an office with anybody. There was no one in the practice with me. It was just me. It meant that I also didn't really see anybody day to day. Yeah. (laughs) It was very, 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 very alone. And I think in some ways it's what people imagine private practice means, but there are so many other ways to do private practice where your group, mm-hmm. you each run a business separate from each other, but you've collaborated and share space, which right. means you can also see each other right. and interact with each other or, you know, joining an already established practice. Right. 
and still being able to say, I'm in private practice and function in a lot of the same ways, but having interaction, the benefits of being in, a, in mm-hmm. an environment where people collaborate, all of those are ways that I think you can create, you find your priorities right. within private practice. Right. right. And for some people, that's about the amount of money they can make and the clients they can get in the door. And for some people, it's about the flexibility in their life-work balance. Uh-huh. I mean, it all depends on what you're looking mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I mean, we're using private practice as an example, but all the things that we just talked through were also... Actually, yeah. <laughs> ...this exact same in an agency, right? right? That, you you know, not all agencies are exactly the same, that there are some mm-hmm. agencies that value and prioritize collaboration and others that prioritize self-care and i mean they that each one is slightly different and prioritizes different things and so you could find that Mm -hmm. and it it might take some tweaking right some realizing it like you it took you some time to settle in and maybe some of the other things that were taking your attention right for the time being died down a little bit and you had time to go oh (laughs) this now i got it and I imagine tweak right. and make it even better. Right, exactly. Like, like uh, easily, uh-huh. simple things. Just being able to give myself time to like, you know, the emails that you save that you get from like the board or from different things that launch. Like, I actually had time dedicated to sit and read. Like those things. Like, uh-huh. oh, or like read a book that, you know, all my colleagues had been talking about that right. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not reading right now. <laughs> or uh, even, I know that you've done this that can change even right. now, but. You start going, you know what? I am not going to take a client between 12 and 2. Right. Not doing it. I'm going to eat lunch. Right. I'm going to maybe run a little errand. I'm going to get out of the building. And you can do that. Right. Or you can say, you know, soccer practice starts at this time. Right. I'm going to make it out of the building and to soccer practice Mm -hmm. without being crazy. Without feeling rushed. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can adjust and make that happen. And to me, that is happiness because Uh that's how I balance my work and my my work and my play. (laughs) I mean, we're focusing a lot on work and, and right. our jobs as counselors or supervisors. But all what you're saying, too, there are some people who can't maybe they're the way that they would do this is I can clock in, clock out, do right. it and be focused and, and attentive during those times. But then I'm also in my job able to just say, Bye. that's the end of the day. I'm walking away. Right. right. Very true. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's able, you're able to do that more often with um, agency work. Yes, absolutely. Depending on the role you play right. in the agency. Right. But like intakes, mm-hmm. I was just saying that to a supervisee this week. One of the lovely things about intakes is that, yes, it takes your attention for an hour or two. Right. And then when they walk out the door, you're done. Right. It's all done. I was an intake coordinator for a very short time and parts of me missed that job. Yeah. Just because it's just... Doing the right. intake and getting all the information. Right. And, like, and you can do that job really well. Right. And feel like oh, I helped this that. person on their way. Yep. I did my job really well. <laughs> and also done. Mm-hmm. I feel like I felt that when, in times where I've changed positions and went from a time limited situation with a client. Oh, yeah. To, wow, I've known this person nine months. Right. Exactly. Um, I can remember thinking. What am I going to say to them after three weeks? What will, what will, <laughs> we, have, happen. What will we have left to talk about? Right. And so if you are comfortable with a shorter amount of time, right. then that's your sweet spot. Right. That, that's how you feel good right. versus somebody who wants to have a longer amount of time. It's just about yeah. priorities. Definitely. So, 
Well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. Heather and I would love to hear about your counseling accomplishments that make you want to jump out of bed. And of course, we would always love to hear your topic suggestions. Thanks. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.